Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Hey, did Brian Kelly say 28 degrees? 20, did, I think, is maybe he's dyslexic and it's really 82. What, you think? 80, yeah, I like 82 better than 28. Turn it around it. Yeah, well, anyway, it, it, it must be cold, yeah. Home Improvement, KMOX, Scott Mosby. I have some great callers still holding on the line. I'm going to get right to them here very quickly. Uh, phone lines 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is the hour number two of the Helitech Home Improvement Show right here on KMOX. show has been on for well over a half a century. I'll tell you a little bit about that history. Uh, just to finish the story from the end of hour one of how I got on the air, the question that I had from the lady was, you know, we built a house, we had all our furniture in the garage while they were finishing it off, you know, for two months that stuff was there, washer and dryer included. We brought it inside, hooked it up. I opened the lid. There was this big black snake wrapped around the impeller inside the washing machine. What do I do? Well, my answer was take that washing machine back outside, open the lid and lay it over on the side and invite that snake to find other quarters unless you want to reach in there and do battle with that black snake and maybe, you know, wind up on the business end of that uh, critter. So anyway, that, uh, another one on water wells and such. Anyway, I found that. That was one of the more humorous, fun answers I've had, and it was during the first interview, and uh, I, f- I found that kind of interesting. Uh, anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's go right to the phones and talk with my friend Joe. Hey, Joe, thanks for the patience. How can I help? Hey, no problem, Scott. Thank you for your service. Yes, sir. I uh, recently, several months ago, uh, had a new water heater installed. Mm-hmm, yes. Gallon. And uh, it, it came, of course, with the uh, expansion tank on it. Okay. But I've uh, noticed lately that I'm getting a harmonic uh, sound when the shower is running. And I'm, not, I'm puzzled. I don't know what's causing it. I don't know if it's in the, uh, the fact that um, having installed a new hot water heater with greater pressure, obviously than the old 20-year-old unit. Maybe it's in the nozzle, in the shower head nozzle. I'm not quite sure what to do. You would probably hear it in the shower head on a piece of the plumbing that's outside the wall itself. You would hear it right in the shower. See, I, my opinion is you would be aware that that's the source of the sound, regardless of why it's happening. You, I, I, I don't think it's in your shower head, or you would tell me it's in the shower head. If it's back behind in the plumbing, once it starts touching the framing of the house, Joe, man, it could that sound just resonates throughout the whole structure. Uh, I suspect it's in one of the up-line um, shutoffs again earlier in the hour, first hour, uh, either a valve or a washer or something's come cl- uh, loose. So look at the shutoff up-line from that shower valve. Usually it's down in the basement or, you know, one-story home or down in the basement as well for even if it's a bathroom on the second floor. Those risers, they typically are plumbed with shutoffs going up to the second floor. So I'd start there and then just work your way back to the main stop or shutoff box for the house, you know, as it exits the home and sometimes even out in the yard. But that's, that's rare because of the way those things are built. Well, you know, I've troubleshot the uh, plumbing, uh, looking f- specifically for a shutoff valve, and I don't see a shutoff valve other than the one that's above the new tank. 
and uh, haven't been able to identify any kind of shutoff valve between the tank and, of course, the uh, shower assembly. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know. It, it could be the shower valve itself, out, you know, not the head. Um, but if you just change the shower head, or did you put in a whole new mixing valve and the whole thing here, Joe? Well, I installed one of those flexible hose uh, shower heads uh, yeah. in order to give more flexibility to removing it and using it wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. I, it could be in the valve. Uh, you may. I, I guess your next start, you've already done step number one and two, uplining on that. I would uh, rebuild your shower valve. Is it a single handle? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty easy to do. You can do all that work from inside the shower. I would, you know, uh, identify the brand, get a rebuild kit for it, you know, watch some, uh, uh, probably some YouTubes on how to do it, and I think you'd be pretty good at it. Very good. Okay, well, I appreciate your service, Scott, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Yeah, personally, if you haven't noticed, I'm still wishing people a Merry Christmas. I just stretched this season out. I, I, I love this time of year, and I, I celebrate it for about a month, starting really the beginning of December. And I love Christmas lights, so I leave ours up, you know, as long as I can, and I enjoy looking at them around town. So, you know, I'm not the guy that, you know, puts them away on January 1st, uh, or I tend to spread this stuff out. A long time. But, you know, it is what it is. Let's see what's cooking here with my friend Gary. Hey, Gary, Scott here. How can I help? A good afternoon. Welcome to CamoX. Hi, Scott. Um, I've got a, a problem with my fluorescent uh, lighting in my garage. Mm -hmm. I have a three-car garage with um, two eight-foot fluorescent tube fixtures on each side uh, for a total of eight tubes. Okay. And uh, the and they all operate off of the same wall switch. However, one of uh, on one side of the garage, um, the tubes, the fixtures, just stopped lighting. And um, I'm not sure what's causing that. Um, the garage door opener on that side, uh, which is placed between the two uh, uh, fixtures, yeah. Fixtures. One is one fixture in the back, one fixture towards the front of the garage. Works fine. Okay. And um, so I'm not sure what's going on. Well, Gary, the way to find out, it, it's either the bulbs themselves, one lamp could be off and then both don't work, or there's a starter. Eight-foot fixtures typically have starters or ballasts, something like that. But before you get into all that stuff, uh, take two bulbs that are operating from one of the other fixtures, remove the two from the unit that doesn't work, and put in two um, bulb lamp, eight-foot lamps that work. And then if they don't light up, then it's the fixture and not the bulb. But at the age, you know, keep in mind that, you know, these things are up for a while. They might have been up for, you know, 20 years or so. That well, They start burning out, and then all of those, you're going to probably lose all those bulbs over the next two or three years on double fixture. You know, so you've got six fixtures, it sounds. That'd be a, do a dozen eight-foot tubes. Um, so at that point, then you decide whether you're going to go to a different fixture, more energy efficient, or just change the bulbs, which are a lot less costly. Okay, um, 
So when you change bulbs, you need to do two at a time? Yes, sir. Yeah, if you because you may have one bulb that's bad, but you don't know which one. So to, oh. but to test, it's like, okay, I know these two work in this fixture, so that fixture's good and the bulb's good. Let's take these two operating bulbs. I'll move them over here to this questionable fixture. I'll stick two new bulbs in there, and, you know, logic tells us that they should work if it's a bulb. But if it's not, then you probably have a ballast problem, which is changing that big transformer thing or ballast inside the fixture itself. And and then you wind up, uh, do I go to the T8 skinny bulbs, which are much more energy efficient? Uh, but, you know, fluorescent bulbs by themselves are pretty energy efficient. But anyway, you, you run the choice of, all right, am I going to rebuild this fixture or do I just get a new, more energy efficient, you know, bulb and the T8 T is in Tom, dash, eight, like uh, the numeral eight, just describes the real skinny bulbs instead of the big fat ones. Okay, well, thanks very much. All right, Gary, that should give you information you need on at least whether it's the bulbs or the fixture itself. Great, thank you. All right, bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. So much going on here, 50,000 watts. I'm locked in this room all by myself, glass all around. I, you know, I kind of like it for a guy that likes people. You know, doggone it if I don't enjoy being on the radio because all these folks call and ask me questions and I go home feeling like I made a difference. You know, I did something good. I left behind more help than I, you know, brought into it. And, you know, I just, I, I kind of enjoy that. Uh, just who who I am and how I roll, I guess. KMOX, 50,000 watts of help right here at your service. Scott Mosby, for you. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, right here at your service, Scott Mosby, 50,000 watts. We go up until 1 o'clock. Rick Edelman comes up at 1 again. And then 3 o'clock, the business of family business with Ryan Recker. Health Matters, presented by SSM Health. Fred Bottomer is part of that. And then Greg Damon right here, the KMOX Auto Show, at 5 o'clock. Kind of a fun afternoon. Always on KMOX. Phone lines are open. I'm getting a little lonely here. 314-436-7900, 436-7900, and toll-free 800-925-1120. Yeah, you knew it. Let's go see Mary. Hey, Mary, uh, what's happening? How can I help you, ma'am? Thanks for your patience. Uh, yes, Scott. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours, by the way. Uh, yeah, I've got a plumbing uh, dilemma here. I live in a 57-year-old home. Mm-hmm. And every time the kitchen sink stops up, the plumber goes to the roof, and he goes through a vent, and he unclogs it, even though I have a basement, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, fast forward now to uh, the present, and MSD has told me I have a sore lateral problem, and uh, the city plumber wants to go through the basement stack, mm-hmm. which looks pretty sad. It's rusty, it's 57 years old. Okay. Now, is that advisable? Since the plumber has never gone through there, it's never been opened up as far as I know. Well, um, typically uh, for a kitchen sink, it's grease that tends to block the sink 
uh, in there, and that grease tends to go from the horizontal arm, so you've got it down from the sink bowl, the P-trap, and then it goes into the wall, right at the wall, right where it kind of turns the corner to go inside of a pipe that drops straight down to the drain. That's where the water is moving very slowly, and all the deposits of the grease build up there. So you wind up with this big slug or ball of, uh, you know, food-reinforced grease and oil. And that's why coming down from the roof, it's pretty easy for the plumber not to really mess up the inside of your house and move everything out of the sink. So it's actually a pretty clever way to work it from the roof. Um, But that does not, he only goes, or she, whoever the plumber is, only goes a few feet past that drain. And so everything from the kitchen sink down all the way out to the street really hasn't been affected by that plumber opening your kitchen sink drain Uh, because he didn't need to go nuclear. He didn't really need to to do all that. Or he might go all the way out um, or, or not. But generally they go, you know, a little further than they need to. Now, if you have a sewer lateral problem at a 57-year-old house, uh, Mary, um, they need, they may, your stack will need to be broken uh, and replaced if it's that old, um, it, because you're you're probably within five or ten years of it of it failing. Uh, so they don't have to do the stack, but they will dig it. You know, they'll start wherever that break is, and that there may be a break there or another one inside your home, to where the sewer lateral program only um, fixes from the outside of the house out to the street. So uh, they they know what they're doing. They've done it many times, and I'm pleased that they have a sewer lateral program at least for the city to help with that. I hope. Yes, they do. But uh, the the risk you run at 57 years is that they may come inside the basement on that floor. But I think, personally, your house is a little bit too new to have that problem, uh, but it might. Okay, so this plumber, the, the city plumber, w- mm-hmm. wouldn't be of any value to go through the kitchen. Uh, no, they they really can't. Uh, what they're looking for is a broken pipe, and that's usually uh, at fifty seven years. It's usually a clay pipe, vitreous china clay, and it's outside the house, and and that's the sewer and drain layers that put that down. So it's not a plastic pipe. It's not a cast iron. It's cast iron inside your house, and as soon as it pokes outside your home, it goes into this uh, almost like a porcelain um, bowl type product. It's a vitreous china clay fired uh, pipe. And that's where the failures usually are. Um, And they can run a camera up in there uh, and tell where that break is. But if they get inside the basement of your house under your floor, uh, that's 100% on your nickel. There's no sewer lateral program. That's actually house plumbing repair. Okay, sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> uh, it can be, and it can be really easy. So, you know, don't lose any sleep yet unnecessarily. Uh, at 57 years, you're on the upside of uh, good. So uh, it's probably just outside the house, um, and they'll know what to do with it. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right, take care, Mary. You too, bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Again, one of the things that I, I want you as consumers and listeners to be prepared with what can happen. And then I'm, I'm willing to make a judgment on whether this is a probable thing or not, because, you know, 
in 70-something years of a business, I've been trained by some people that guess pretty well on what's happening to things we can't see. Um, and, that, and that's really um, why we got into the design-build um, um, remodeling business is uh, there was so much experience in the Mosby team, whatever the name, you know, over the last 70 years is uh, – and and winds up me with here on the radio, um, we've got a pretty good idea what's behind the wall, what's under the floor, because we've dug them up and fixed them before. Um, and likewise, we, uh, you know, my dad got into design build. He started drawing his own plans for screen porches and decks, you know, smaller things in the 60s and the 70s uh, because it, it was uh, more expedient and it didn't take um, an architect to do that. Now today, we've got licensed architects that do all that, kitchen designers, certified bath designers, the whole thing. So we've, we've got a full architectural firm. But one of the things we like best is we go out with consultants who are experienced and we really inspect the home. Um, and that's where I like the ashy home inspectors, you know, the certified home inspectors that, you know, through that, my father was uh, was part of founding the American Society of Home Inspectors here as well in the later part of his career. So the whole process of Mosby Building Arts is, you know, analyze what's there first because, you know, really to our own um, protection. If the roof is leaking and we put this whiz bang wow bathroom, kitchen, or new room addition underneath something that has a bad roof or bad plumbing or bad stack or whatever, those are the change orders that come up mid project that we'd like to tell the clients about up front. You know, again, and that's just the experience, expertise, and why we do the design build because we know enough to look for trouble. We know what we're likely going to encounter. And therefore, as consultants and radio guys, we're able to tell you what can happen. Anyway, let's uh, go to Dennis, see what's cooking here. Hey, Dennis, Scott here. How can I help? Uh, looks like I can be in the market for a chair lift. Can you give me some advice on what to look for, what to avoid, uh, that type of thing? Uh, chair lifts, uh, I love chair lifts. They're an economical way to get uh, people up and down stairs. You'd be surprised some of the really complex stair systems that can be navigated with a chair lift. A chair lift is kind of a railroad track riding a chair that goes up the incline of the steps. It'll go around on a, on a landing and turn 180 degrees if you need it to and go on up there. Uh, keep in mind, and you'll know this when you start talking to the representatives of each different company, is that having, uh, you can do the economical version that just goes from here to there. The problem is at the bottom of the steps, the economical ones don't really have a safe loading place. You kind of have to sit down on this seat, be, you know, right kind of up one step or dying on the floor, the, the better funded ones and more expensive ones, right out a little further to where it's very easy and safe, lots of room to sit down, kind of get settled and secure, and then up you go. Likewise, the same at the top of the steps. Um, and then you get into the creature comforts, you know, it's it's really what's the difference between a $25,000 car and a 75000 Well, you know, you have really cool cup holders and it more smoothly um, and it's longer between repairs or whatever. So you'll, you'll find uh, prices, but you'll also, it's like buying a car, Dennis. You, you, it's very similar. 
Uh, you kind of get what you pay for, and it just matters what you value in how much safety you're willing to fund, how much features you want, uh, how many whether you want a platform to write up with you for the laundry basket. Because keep in mind, most of the time that you or I go up a, a set of stairs, we're carrying something or we're going to get something to carry back up. So uh, keep in mind that there's moving people and then there's moving stuff. And oftentimes those uh, chairlifts have to be designed for both. Well, price range. Uh, price range anywhere from uh, four to five thousand dollars, and then you get into two and three story things. You can get up to fifteen and twenty thousand, but they're pretty economical. Uh, we're, we're involved in putting in elevators. Compared to an elevator that goes two or three floors, you could have you know thirty to seventy thousand dollars in an elevator if you can find the space for it. So, you know, chairlifts are are a very economical way to get there. But if you're going to be in that house for 20, 30 years, then I would suggest you start looking into an elevator as well because, you know, 30 years of riding a chair, you know, during waning physical abilities, you, you can wind up with some risk as well. Okay, thanks for the help. I hope that's helpful, Dennis. Take care. Bye now. Home improvement, again, um, the, like everything else on a car, uh, you can get from here to there. But... If you want a car that's a little taller, easier to get in and out of, you know, maybe some grab handles to secure you getting into the seat, you know, that car costs a little bit more, uh, you know, just like stair lifts as well. Uh, installation is pretty quick and easy. Most of the installations go in in, in usually a day, uh, but you do need an electrician to have a dedicated electrical service or circuit. So there'll be a plug either at the bottom of the steps or top of the steps. And again, that gets into how much does it cost because adding an electrical outlet in a safe place where that wire doesn't go across a hallway or a foyer or whatever, you know, that's the ticket. So that's where I get into, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you're doing a safe transport mechanism, you know, sometimes you want that wire in the safe place and, you know, not out in the traffic area. Home improvement, 50,000 watts at your service right here on CAMWAX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Home Improvement KMOX. We've got a lot of phone calls here. I'm going to get right to the phone, see what's happening, and start with Jerry. Hey, Jerry, Scott here. How can I help? Hey, how you doing? Fantastic. Great show. We listen to it all the time. Very informative. Uh, problem we have is in our master bathroom, uh, the toilet, when you flush the toilet, Mm-hmm. Um, especially during the night when apparently no other plumbing is being used, the toilet will continue to run until we turn on the faucet. We just hit the faucet one time, and it relieves the pressure. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been doing that now, I don't know, for about a year. During the day, it doesn't do it, but it seems to happen only at night. The toilet will just continue to run. run. Mm-hmm. The water will flow until you hit the faucet. Uh, Jerry, how old is that toilet? Um, old enough? Probably five, six years, maybe. Ooh, that's pretty new. Um, what may be happening here is the spring 
on the filler float or mechanism is getting tired or worn. Uh, and it may be just the toilet that gets used a lot, too. So five years may be like 15 years on any on other regular traffic toilets. Right. So uh, I suspect that spring is getting a little soft, which it's not securely turning the water off, you know, chunk. Uh, and so it's not as strong, and at night, the water pressure may be a little higher, too. There are fewer people using it, so you get 3, 4, 5 PSI, a little more on water pressure, and it's pushing the water past that shut-off float valve in your tank. So I'm proposing it's just your toilet guts that, uh, yeah. Yeah, just it's, it's almost shutting the water off, and during the day when the rest of the world's using water and pressure's lower, uh, may not matter, but that little bitty, you know, few PSI pounds per square inch of pressure extra may be enough to overcome that spring and push and force water into that bowl and keep it running. Yeah, maybe I was just thinking more of because of the fact that it was relieving the pressure that it had to do with something besides the components inside the toilet? Well, it's all the same. If you're relieving the pressure, you're taking the stress off of that that tired spring, which now makes a secure close. So as soon as you turn that water off, now the pressure goes back up and uh, it's got enough force to overcome that weak spring. So this is all just logic, I'm guessing, uh, you know, along with you. But I would start with that uh, changing the, the, you know, the ball cock inside your uh, toilet. Uh, and and I'm becoming a big fan of OEM, original equipment from the manufacturer. So if you've got, uh, you know, Kohler, use a Kohler-made uh, unit and, a, you know, okay. American. So it, it, it'll cost you a few bucks more, but it'll be specific. And it's a pain to identify what toilet you have. But this is kind of like shade tree mechanics, you know, now without a computer, it's hard to analyze an engine. Right. Yep. Very good. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good luck, Jerry. Bye now. Thanks. You bet. Next up, let's see about Tom. Hey, Tom, Scott Mosby here on CamoX. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Uh, just a real quick question. I think I already know the answer. Mm-hmm. But I have a house that was built in 1994, just a track-built home. It's a two-story home. And I'm wanting to add more insulation in my attic. And I've had two contractors come out and have gotten bids. And one of the uh, contractors said that they want to um, put holes down in the where the rafter where the the rafters meet the um, the two two by fours of the rafters meet for like ventilation down down by the eaves. Yes. And um, <clears throat> I've already got I've got a ridge vent and then I've got gable vents and then they want to put the baffles there. So that the how the, the attic breathes properly, mm-hmm. and the other and I noticed that my uh, the other con, uh, insulation contractor didn't have that on his quote, and I asked him about that, and he said I didn't need that. Now I'm, I, I, it makes sense that you're going to want that. Is that yes, it, yes? It's again, uh, you're you're seeing um, uh, you don't need that. If you're only insulating the attic, just do insulation. But there's more to energy efficiency than just insulation. And cooling and removing the moisture in the attic uh, is very important. So what that other company is proposing, albeit I'm sure much more expensive, is more of a complete performance service than uh, I'll do what you say. 
you know, so I think you're looking at two totally different business philosophies. You know, if I'm trying to sell something, the cheaper it sounds, that's the easiest way to sell. That doesn't necessarily get you where you want to go. Uh, you know, c because if you're trying to have that insulation um, dry, you know, without m excessive moisture buildup, and, and if you don't have makeup air around the eaves on the bottom, frankly, that's the most important part. 60% of attic ventilation is supposed to come from the low eave side. Right. Well, it kind of ma it makes sense because, you know, you, know you, you want the, you know, the air to flow through the attic, you know, because it pushes it out the top. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to ventilate something, do you want a sealed balloon that doesn't ex exhaust or do you want uh, a way in and out to where you're blowing through a straw and you're just moving in the air? Well, that's, that's right, the purpose right. and of I, ventilation. I specific and this is a well-known company, been around for a long time. It's a big company. I specifically asked him about that, and he said I did not need it. Wow. And I was really surprised. I'd go back to the other guy and say, why do I need it? You know, because frankly, it's it's how well. It, it, if you don't believe in what you're doing and you're still not sure after you have the service, you know, what's your heart? Are you thinking about it while you're, you know, going to bed at, going to sleep at night? And, you know, it's like it's important to believe in what we're doing and understand it, in my opinion. Right, right, and and that I mean it, it makes sense to me, and I kind of understand the you know the, the the theory about airflow and that. So sure, sure. Uh, uh, well, okay, all right. Well, I and and I kind like I said, I kind of already knew the answer, and because I listen to your show a lot, and uh, so I kind of already knew the answer. But I just thought I'd give you a quick call anyway, and I appreciate your opinion, Scott. Oh, Thanks I appreciate very much. It. Take care, Bye. Tom. Bye. And that's that's the truth of this show. It's like, wow, you really help a lot of people. What I really bring is that experience to probably confirm what you already suspect. You know, you already, you know, part of your, you know, that gut, that gnosis, that Gnostic experience, you kind of know it's right, but whew, boy, that's expensive. I don't, I don't want that to be right. I just want to spend, you know, I don't want to put off buying that new car for three years because I have to do this attic insult, you know. So keep in mind that much of what I do is just confirm the suspicions that you probably already know. Anyway, KMOX Home Improvement. Let's see if we can sneak one more in here with uh, Jeannie. Hey, Jeannie Scott here. How are you this fine Saturday? Doing well. First of all, I love your show. Thank Second, you. I have a friend who celebrates Christmas until February, so you're not alone. Oh, I love her. So my most important problem is in my bedroom. I have a 16-year-old home. And three little screws or nails or whatever that connect, I guess, the ceiling of, to the attic. They're slipping out just to Jeannie, I can only hear about every other word. Are you uh, covering the mouthpiece there? No. Is this any better? Yeah, a little bit there. Thank you. Okay. I moved it. I moved the phone. Um, I have three screws uh -huh. in the ceiling of a bedroom that are slowly working their way out. Can they just be hammered back in place? Do they need to be replaced or what? Uh, if they're screws, you can actually, I wouldn't hammer them in. I'd just kind of pick the uh, drywall cement off because it'll push it. And just, it'll be a Phillips screwdriver and just turn it in. It'll only take about half a turn or so. Turn it all the way in there because it's the shrinking wood. The screw ah. actually didn't pull out probably. It would change. Yeah. Okay. And if it spins, then they missed the wood and then just pull that screw out. If it's not securely pulling up tight, then they missed. And that happens, you know, they're human installed and, you know, you put in 3,000 of these things, you miss a few. Thank you. I appreciate your help. Have a happy New Year. Oh, thanks, Jeannie. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now.
Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I love this show. Thank you for joining me. I'll be right back for more after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby at your service, 50,000 watts, KMOX. Let's go right back to the phone lines, trying to help as many people today as I can. Let's talk with Betty. Hey, Betty, good afternoon. Happy Saturday. Hello. Hi. Uh, I I came home the other night, and uh, my home smelled like a sewer. Ouch. And then I was out last night, and when I came home, it, the smell was gone. Oh. But now my neighbor says that it's, it's in her house. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, you cannot have a sewer smell in a house without a break in the drain pipe somewhere or an opening that is not blocked. I would start, Betty, do you have P-traps, floor drains maybe in the basement or a bathroom you haven't used for a while or shower or sink or tub or something like that? I don't have a basement. I do, uh, I only use, I have two bathrooms, but I only use one. Yeah, I would run a little water in that tub or shower and also in the sink there um, and try and get the water back into the P-trap. Once you get that done, um, go to the grocery store and get some peppermint extract, just dollar, two dollars the cheap stuff for out of the baking department, and dump that in the toilet and flush the toilet once and then stop because you should only smell the local peppermint from dumping it in the toilet. If you smell um, peppermint in a room, uh, then you have a break. You have a plumbing problem, and you need a good licensed plumber to figure that out for you, and it's probably a bigger problem. But uh, generally, that peppermint test will tell you whether you've got a problem or not because it's so pungent and distinct a smell. Peppermint what now? Uh, Extract. You know, just like uh, almond extract in baking, you just buy the peppermint stuff and just a bottle of it, dump it right in the toilet bowl, give it a flush, and uh-huh. stop and wait, you know, a day, you'll know. If you smell peppermint in the house, then you do have some sort of a plumbing break, and that's how the sewer smell is. You'll need a plumber to help track that down. Well, I wonder why my neighbor has it at her house now. They may have about the same age house of uh, rusted pipes or, you know, could be the same underused fixture uh, with the dry P-trap. Because once the water evaporates out of one of those sink drains or or a a shower drain, you know, that's just open uh, pathway for the sewer smells to come out of the sewer and up into your house. So that's why I'm advocating recharge it with some water, just run a little water in it. Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. Misery loves company. Your neighbor's in the same aged house and probably uh, with some of the same uh, behaviors every day, too. (laughs) Her house is older than mine. (laughs) Oh, she may have bigger problems then, too. Okay, thank you. All right, Betty. Bye now. Bye-bye. Next up, we've got some light bulb questions from Judy. Hey, Judy, Scott here. How can I help? Well, good afternoon, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. I need to replace just some plain old ordinary light bulbs in my house, you know, at the light fixture that is attached to the ceiling fan or some uh, just lamps. Uh-huh. So I go to the store, and there's only 20,000 different types of light bulbs. <laughs> oh, yeah, oy vey. I know. I feel your pain. So my question is, what is the difference between halogen and LED and there is a proper place to use each type, or are they interchangeable? Um, yes, kind of they are. Um, 
all of these new bulbs are trying to get light without making lots of heat. So the incandescent bulb makes a lot of heat with a 100-watt light bulb. Uh, watt is a measurement of heat, and it's also a measure of electrical usage. So the incandescent light bulbs create heat, which in the summertime then creates excessive something. The air conditioner runs longer, all it uses more energy. Um, so then they came out with the fluorescent. So they went to the fluorescent. That uses a lot less electricity because it creates almost no heat. Well, then you go to the new ones that are LED, lighting, light-emitting diodes, which is, you know, kind of a... Um, just an electronic glowing something, the byproduct from the electricity. Uh, and then you get into the halogen, which uses a lot, puts out a lot more light, but it also is hot as the Dickens, too. So halogens, oh. yeah, halogens are very hot. Uh, we like to use them in kitchens because they deliver a ton of light. They're a narrow beam, so I can get a lot of performance light. But if somebody's got a bald head and they're standing two feet underneath a halogen bulb, by golly, they know it. You know, so that so all of these bulbs are really just ways to get a glowing something, a lot of light, out of a not hot light bulb. Okay, so if I don't want to deal with the heat, yep. then an LED would be a better choice. Yeah, and they're kind of the newest, latest, greatest. I will suggest that if you can, look at the wattages because I think a 60 or 70 watt light bulb is like eight and a half watts in an LED. Um, but then I like to get them maybe about 10 or 11 watts. I mean, keep in mind you're 10% of the energy consumption, so you're already saving a bunch. But don't short yourself out of glow. Make sure you get enough lumens or candle power, enough illumination out of that. So I always like to go up, you know, a little bit. Uh, you know, if I have a 75 watt, I can go to 100. And then uh, watch the uh, ratings on that fixture. If you have an open fixture, then, you know, just follow that rating. It'll say maximum 60 watt bulb. But keep in mind, an LED is still an eight and a half watt bulb, not even though not a 60 or 100. So just, you know. Uh, yeah, I like the idea of the brightness because with older eyes, uh, bright light is even better. Amen. My biggest concern would be putting these into a light fixture on a ceiling fan. Yeah. I would have to watch the wattage there, correct? Well, only if it's a closed globe. If you have open bulbs, they tend to cool themselves out. Um, oh. So, yeah, if they're open, light, if you can actually see the bulbs, they cool yeah. off pretty well. Okay, so I don't have to worry. Well, that really helps a lot. Thank you so very much. Yeah, and it'll still take you a little while at the store, but uh, don't be afraid to find somebody and ask them the questions because, again, you know, these bulbs are $10, $12, $15. They're, they're expensive. Make it, so ready, aim, fire beats ready, fire, aim. You're going to spend the money <laughs> uh, whether you do the homework before you buy it or you miss the mark and then you <laughs> spend it and then miss, you know, do the research and like, well, I, I, I bought the wrong, you know, so. You know, yes. are these uh, LEDs usable for ex exterior fixtures? Yes, they are. And the good news, if you have a real high, hard to get to light bulb, these critters last 20 years. Okay, well, that'll outlast me probably. That's that a, okay. That's a good thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for your help, Scott. Okay, Judy, thank you very much. Bye-bye.
Then I wish you all a happy new year. I've got about an, oh, another minute here. I've got some folks on the line. Stay on the line. I'll try and get you off the air. Uh, but uh, I understand it, it's, it's a cold day out there and we've got lots of questions. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I enjoy my time with you here on KMOX. I look forward to this Saturday every week. Um, and, you know, I, I, I meet many of you in my, you know, day job at Mosby Building Arts. I like that. Uh, don't underestimate the thought process that it takes to do the right thing, you know, just as in, you know, we had the same, you know, question about light bulbs and Judy, that's a consumer method of gathering the information. I call it ready, aim, fire, where you do, you're studying for the test before the test, research before the uh, um, thing, and design before the build. So I appreciate it. I wish you all a happy new year, and I will see you next week.